Hi campers, welcome to Museum Camp. I'm Megan. I'm Madison. Hello. Thank you for joining us. Ah, thank you. You're here. You're here. You made it. We made it. We're all doing great. We are. Megan, what's up? You know what? Let me tell you what's up. I got my boosty today. (laughs) Boosty. Um, and I think I'm gonna milk it. You know, I was going back on forth. Should I milk it? Should I, you know, just suck it up? Let's do a quick pro con list. What are the pros of not? Okay. What are the pros of milking it? You get, um, you know, people are extra nice to you. Mm -hmm. You know, you get some sympathy, Mm -hmm. some pity, attention, attention. I love all of those things. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What are the cons of milking it? Yeah. I honestly can't think of any. No cons. There's your decision. <laughs> it's a win-win. We sleuthed it. <laughs> so I think, uh, yeah. Yeah. And with a good old-fashioned pro-con list, we are good to go. And you are milking this boost. Okay. That's what I'm doing. Booster. I hardly know her. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think um, people ever get sick of those jokes? Um, if they do, then I care not for them. Yeah. You're at the wrong <laughs> podcast. Because <laughs> if it has an ER at the end or an OR, I'm going to make that joke. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in other news, I started crocheting again. <gasps> Amazing. Yeah. Uh, what are you making? A blanket, obviously. <laughs> yeah. I only make rectangle or square shaped. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that's fair. Uh, but I it's coming it. along great. Amazing. Yeah. We should crochet a blanket together and auction it off. I don't yeah. know who would bid on it. <laughs> it would just be our moms. <laughs> it would literally be <laughs> just our moms. Just Anne and Jane. <laughs> <laughs> and that would be fine with me. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's, what have you been up to? Anything good? Um, Anything bad? Anything bad? Let's see. I haven't committed any crimes lately. Okay. That I know of. Sure. Um, honestly, I've been getting a lot of cabin fever because it's been snowing, which hasn't really made any impact, but now I'm like, even less likely to leave my house. Sure. But here's where the situation becomes a bit dire. I'm almost out of chocolate and Uh I just like, I always have chocolate in my house always. Um, and it's just, you know, and we live on the top of this like hill and to get to the grocery store, I have to go down this hill. And I went Mm. to the grocery store just to like do a grocery pickup the other day. And Mm -hmm. the, like nothing had been plowed, nothing. And it had been like two um, days. <laughs> the worst. Cute. Thanks. Thanks Great. tax dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so I just haven't really been motivated, motivated to go out just for chocolate, but I think, I think I might have to, there's just a lot of snow out there right now. Well, you know what I'll say is if there's one thing I know about you, it's that most likely you probably have cacao nibs somewhere in your house. You could make your own. 
Um, that's a great point. I, I actually don't know. I'll have to look, but that did just remind me that I have like four or five bags of chocolate chips. (laughs) So I can do something with that. You can make it work. I can make it work. Yeah. Yeah. Have you been watching anything? Um, we've been rewatching Harry Potter. Um, same. Which, okay, I didn't even know you watched Harry Potter. Last I heard from you, you were like so anti. I'm not anti. Uh I'm not anti. (laughs) Don't make me sound like a religious zealot. Um. (laughs) Right. I apologize. No, I never. (laughs) I literally live for witchcraft. (laughs) I um, never read the books as a kid. And so then I guess I just like didn't watch the movies either. And, um, at one point in my life, I was, uh, forced to watch the movies. Um, <sighs> and I did from one over. Yeah, I did enjoy them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hadn't seen them since, and it's been like almost 10 years. So wow. what do you think? Oh, they're just so cozy and wonderful. They're so cozy and they're so good. I yeah. love them. We've been watching like one a night basically. Oof. Um, We've been doing it on the weekends because they are long. They are long, but also it's like we've seen them so many times that we're just like quoting it. Like the other night we were watching the first one. We were just playing cards the whole time, just like quoting everything. Um, Amazing. And it, was, it was just like the best time. <laughs> <laughs> um, otherwise, I've been listening to some podcasts. I've been... Mm um doing that while I've just been like doing stuff around the house lately uh so I finished bad blood the one about Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos mm-hmm. oh man I haven't started it's, it yet it's so good and she just got like the verdict was just returned um and so she was found last they updated it it was a like a hung jury on I think four of the 11 counts three maybe three of the 11 counts but she was like um uh convicted of four accounts of fraud mm. um and so we'll see what happens with sentencing but yeah the uh the, the podcast is just so well done it's so well done um, can i say yes. i feel like there has to be a better term than hung jury <laughs> yeah can we petition to change that yeah. i don't can like we just it do like a stumped jury yeah something like that yeah i don't yeah. like the word <laughs> a shrugging jury the shrugging jury the stubborn jury <laughs> yeah um oh, yeah but really good and then there were a few podcasts that had um like little trailers and ads on that podcast and so mm. i started listening to one um, I'm only like a few minutes into the second episode, so I don't have a, I'm, you know, I'm a hung jury on that one. <laughs> I, don't, <Sure. laughs> I don't know yet if I like it or recommend, but it is called chameleon and I'm listening to season two, okay. um, because it's supposed to be like, um, like a crazy FBI story. Ooh. And I'm just like really into like fraud and, you know, all of that stuff these days. Sure. In terms of true crime. Yeah. Yeah. So sounds great. It's good stuff. 
Um, you know, Queer Eye did have a new season come out recently. Did it? Yeah. And I started it and obviously just immediately started weeping. (laughs) (laughs) I have a confession. You've never never seen it. Are you fucking kidding me? I know. I know. I'm really sorry. Please. You have to watch it. I know I'll love it. And that's the thing. You will. That's the thing about all of these shows when it's like, okay, I know I will love that. And then it's like, I, I cannot afford to have my life be entirely consumed for the next like X amount of hours while I just binge this. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. I get it. But this one's worth it. Okay. Maybe I'll get my, maybe when I get my booster, I'll milk it, take a sick day. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, (laughs) just binge queer eye. Yeah. We should have planned it out. So we got our boosters on the same day so that we could. That'd be so cute. Yeah. Milk it together. The entire time. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just milking it with friends. (laughs) No. You know, I don't know what it would be about, but I think that a good name for a podcast would be milking it. <laughs> oh yeah. Ooh, what would that be about? Um, I think it could be about lactose intolerance. Oh, <laughs> I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it could be <laughs> a podcast about lactose intolerance would be the worst thing of all time. It's so graphic. Yeah, just terrible. <laughs> All right, so we'll ta- we'll table that. For yeah, but if um, anyone has any good ideas about what the show breastfeeding, milk <laughs> yeah, it could be about breastfeeding. I'm realizing <laughs> there's only realizing, so much you can talk about. Yeah, I'm realizing that milk is only really you know associated with like, I mean, I guess it is just at its core of bodily fluid so <laughs> oh so maybe not but yeah. um um oreos yeah i could There's talk about number oreos forever <laughs> <laughs> oh there's just so many limited editions you know yeah yeah how limited are they really not really yeah mm-hmm. um I found the Wikipedia page for list of objects dropped on New Year's Eve. (laughs) (laughs) And it is very good. Oh my God. And this, this is all because I saw someone on Instagram posted that like in Idaho, they drop a, like a giant potato. Yes. Yes. Um, so let's see. I want to read through some of these. Oh my God. (laughs) Obviously Florida is going to have like a tangerine that they drop. Mm. Um, there's a, let's see. So anticlimactic. Tangerines are so tiny. So (laughs) tiny. (laughs) Um, in Key West at the 801 saloon, a local gay bar drops a Ruby slipper slipper with drag queen, Gary sushi Marion inside each year, which I just, I love it. Wait, what there's a oh it's like a big slipper okay. yeah like a giant <laughs> slipper got it got it got it got it got it i'm with you um let's see gosh there's so many 
literally like every city does something and I didn't even know that this was a thing yeah and like why is it a thing you know in Perry Georgia a buzzard is lowered (laughs) a buzzard the buzzard is like bro I can fly (laughs) can't buzzards fly yeah I think so in in Tallapoosa Georgia a stuffed possum named Spencer is lowered (laughs) Georgia stop. there's so many animal ones like uh another city in Georgia lowers a hog at midnight <laughs> someone needs to send a welfare check to Georgia yeah please oh They're this not. one okay. is one of my favorites so Vin Vincennes Indiana I guess is how you say it The giant 18-foot, 500-pound steel and foam watermelon ball is raised 100 (laughs) feet in the air. (laughs) It gets better. 100 feet in the air during the 60-second countdown at midnight. Then the replica releases 11 real locally grown watermelons. (laughs) 11. (laughs) Why 11? Oh, it's just so amazing. Real locally grown. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Um man. There's just too many good ones, but hold on. So good. What was this one? Hold on. In New Jersey. It said Nicole Polizzi, which is um Snooky, is dropped. Snooky. Hold on. Snooki from MTV's Seaside Heights-based reality series, Jersey Shore, was lowered inside a hamster ball in 2011. Oh my God. A hamster ball. Oh. Oh my God. Anyways, there's way too many of these. I could never possibly read all the good ones, but um, I th- I would like to encourage everyone to yeah. go find the Wikipedia page, list of objects dropped on New Year's Eve. Yeah, and because it's very good. Um, any other news? Um, I don't think so. <sighs> nope, nothing new. Okay. Oh, All right. that was false. I do, okay. I do have one other thing to tell you that I just remember. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> um, so a few weeks ago, I finished, and then when there were none, my first foray <sighs> into Agatha Christie. So I good. loved it. And now I am reading, I'm starting at the very beginning of the Hercule Poirot series. And so I'm reading, I'm almost done with the Mysterious Affair styles and I like it even better. So good. It's so I love that one. I just read that not that long ago. Really? It's very good. Yeah. Very good. Uh, Very good. (laughs) Love you, Aggie. Yeah. Love you. All right. Should we podcast? Shall we? Should we say... Uh, adieu intro. You know what? I'm going to say arrivederci um, as a little hint. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Are you ready? I really am. Okay. I hope so. Mm Mm-hmm. You come in all shapes and sizes. My love for you reaches beyond the horizons with ravioli and fettuccine and macaroni and linguine. 
and rigatoni and tortellini and countless more offerings that fill me with love and joy and glee because in my roots, I am an Italian through and through. And I know there is nothing I wouldn't do for some spaghetti in a bowl with some marinara too. Is that from my diary? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This poem written by Madison Young. (laughs) (laughs) This poem written by S. Foster is called Ode to Pasta. I think it accurately depicts how we all feel about those gorgeous carbohydrates from Italy. Mm -hmm. Am I right? Okay. Amen. Today, we're headed to Ponte Scadonia, Italy to visit the Museum of Pasta. Stop. (laughs) I had no idea this existed. Mm -hmm. I'm pissed that I didn't know about it. (laughs) I know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I had ravioli last night. It was so good. Uh, Wonderful. Mm. Um, Let me get through my sources. Your sauces. Uh, um, My sauces. (laughs) pasta source um okay a mental floss article uh the wikipedia page for pasta the wikipedia page for museum of pasta an atlas obscura article a buzzfeed article oh and um a page from academia barilla.it you know nothing but the best mm-hmm. here we go let's start off with a little pasta history shall we mm-hmm. okay and obviously this is going to be a long quote from wikipedia <laughs> amen we love does it even need to be said at this point yeah i think honestly like we should just pre-record a disclaimer like this episode probably includes the long quotes from wikipedia just let it happen let it happen in the first century AD, writings of Horace, uh, Lagana were fine sheets of fried dough and were an everyday foodstuff. Uh, now, there's nothing I hate more than the term foodstuff. Yeah, especially when it's singular. I feel like I've only yeah. ever heard it foodstuffs, stuffs, plural, and that doesn't bother me. But, but it also just feels singular. unnecessary. Yeah, just say food. <laughs> you can just say food. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, writing in the second century, Athenaeus of Nocratus provides a recipe for Lagana, which he attributes to the first century Chrysippus of Tyana. Sheets of dough made of wheat flour and the juice of crushed lettuce. Yum. Ooh, <laughs> yay. Juice of crushed lettuce. Wouldn't that Terrible. just be water? Yeah, but like lettuce flavored. Yeah, lettuce water. <laughs> Uh, then flavored with spices and deep fried in oil an early five no early fifth century cookbook describes a dish called lagana that consisted of layers of dough with meat stuffing an ancestor of modern day lasagna however the method of cooking these sheets of dough does not correspond to our modern definition of either a fresh or dry pasta product a lot of p words <laughs> real tongue twister <laughs> which only had similar basic ingredients and perhaps the shape the first concrete information concerning pasta products in italy dates from the 13th or 14th century 
in North Africa. A food similar to pasta known as couscous has been oh, eaten for centuries. We love couscous. I love couscous. Love it. However, it lacks the distinguishing malleable nature of pasta, couscous being more akin to droplets of dough. At first, dry pasta was a luxury item in Italy because of high labor costs. Durham wheat semolina had to be kneaded for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a legend of Marco Polo importing pasta from China, which originates with the Macaroni Journal, <laughs> which like don't call your publication that. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a surefire way to make sure that only toddlers take you seriously. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> A toddler just like comes in in like a, a suit and tie and puts a briefcase, you know, on the table and just <laughs> opens up the macaroni journal. <laughs> yeah, it's just pages and pages of macaroni art. I'd subscribe. Yeah. Um, the macaroni journal published by an association of food industries uh, with the goal of promoting pasta in the United States. Uh, Rusticello de Pisa writes in his travels that Marco Polo described a food similar to Lagana. Jeffrey Steingarten asserts that the Arabs introduced pasta in the Emirate of Sicily in the ninth century, mentioning also that traces of pasta have been found in ancient Greece and that Jane Grigson, believe, whoever that is, believed <laughs> that Marco Polo's story <laughs> to have uh, believe the Marco Polo story to have originated in the 1920s or 1930s in an advertisement for a Canadian spaghetti company. <laughs> so there's probably nothing to the Marco Polo story. Yeah, but we can dream. One can dream. Food historians estimate that the dish probably took hold in Italy as a result of extensive Mediterranean trading in the Middle Ages. From the 13th century, references to pasta dishes, macaroni, ravioli, gnocchi, vermicelli, crop up with increasing frequency across the Italian peninsula. In the 14th century, writer Boccaccio's collection of earthy tales, the Decameron, he recounts a uh, mouthwatering fantasy concerning a mountain of Parmesan cheese uh, down which pasta chefs roll macaroni and ravioli to gluttons waiting below. (laughs) I am a glutton waiting below. That's me. Sign me up. Sign me up. <laughs> How do I, I sign up for that? Yeah, I don't need you to glutton shame me. Like yeah. <laughs> glutton, honestly, that's a compliment. It's a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> but a mountain of Parmesan. Ugh. I mean, uh, I'm starving. Get the gear. We're climbing that mountain. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Although tomatoes were introduced to Italy in the 16th century and incorporated in Italian cuisine in the 17th century, description of the first Italian tomato sauces dates from the late 18th century. The first written record of pasta with tomato sauce can be found in the 1790 cookbook La Piccio Moderno by Roman chef Francesco Leonardi. Before tomato sauce was introduced, pasta was eaten dry with the fingers the liquid sauce demanded the use of a fork. Wow. So <clears throat> there's some pasta history for you. Mm-hmm. And Madison, I would like to know what your favorite kind of pasta is. And I'm talking shape, but I'm also talking preparation. Here's the thing. 
I've never met a pasta I didn't like. Yeah. So it's really tough to choose. Um, I would say, oh, I mean, it all, it's also mood dependent because occasionally I like literally nothing will like, can be better than just like run of the mill, like angel hair spaghetti with Mm. Parmesan, but like, it's just such a classic. Um, so classic, so classic, but I think that my favorite type overall is generally stuffed pasta. Um, so anything like ravioli, tortellini, um, if it has like ricotta in it, just beam me right up. I love it. Um, I especially love like a, like a, a brown butter sage sauce uh, with some ravioli. Oh, yum. Yeah. Yum. Yum. Yum, yum, yum. What's yours? Mine is pepper deli. Mm. And I just love like the wide noodle. Mm-hmm. I love, you know, how much surface area you get with the pasta that matters yeah. to me. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a couple of weeks ago I made like a braised short rib pappardelle mm. dish. And it was honestly one of the best things I've ever made. It was Amazing. so good. That sounds unbelievable. Got it. Yeah. Pasta. I miss it. I miss pasta all the time. <laughs> Anytime I'm not having it. Ugh, yeah. Um, so I found a mental floss article that tells the stories behind several popular pasta shapes. And I picked out a few really great ones that I want to share with you. Okay. Starting with, of course, lasagna. (laughs) I love lasagna. So we talked a little bit about lasagna and its roots in Lagana. So this is going to be a little bit, um, repetitive, but here we go. Mm -hmm. Lasagna, one of the earliest known pasta shapes, traces its origins to ancient Rome by way of ancient Greece. Today, lasagna is the wide, the wide flat noodle used to make lasagna, the cheesy <laughs> tomatoey dish that's popular with many foodies and 100% of cats who hate Mondays. Ah, <laughs> uh, the patron saint of lasagna. Yeah. <laughs> 100% of cats who hate Mondays. <laughs> um, in a pre-Garfield world, lasagna called Laganon in ancient Greece and Laganum in Rome looked pretty different. The tomato didn't come to Europe until the 16th century, and some interesting ingredients were used in proto-lasagna before its arrival. <laughs> proto-lasagna. <laughs> so good. That's such a good band um, name. Yeah. <laughs> One early recipe from the late fourth or early fifth century cookbook, Apicius, called for a sauce of cooked sow's belly, raisin wine, and the breasts of fig peckers to be layered huh. between thin pancakes. What's a fig pecker? Yeah. Are we just gonna glaze on over that? Yeah. Over thin pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. Um, a lasagna recipe from the 14th century Italian cookbook, uh, Liber de Cochina, 
looks a little more familiar with instructions saying to layer grated cheese and spices in with the pasta. Mm. Man, I would fuck up a lasagna right now. Remember when we used to make it like every Monday? Remember when you used to make it every Monday and I would just drink <laughs> wine? <laughs> yeah, but that's fine. <laughs> it's fine. That's our thing. <laughs> that's totally our thing. Um, vermicelli. If pasta is from Europe and noodles are from Asia, what does that make vermicelli? Depending on the recipe being used, you could fairly put it in either camp, but it first emerged as a pasta in Italy roughly six centuries ago. One of the first mentions of vermicelli comes from The Art of Cooking Sicilian Macaroni and Vermicelli, a recipe book compiled by 15th century culinary giant Martino da Como. Martino cooked for the Duke of Milan and Cardinal Ludovico Trevisan, who was a close advisor to the Pope and whose opulent banquets helped raise Martino's profile. He's regarded as one of the first celebrity chefs in Western culture. And in addition to pioneering the modern cookbook, he gave us incredible, (laughs) this is so good. He gave us incredible recipe titles like Quote, how to determine whether a cow's udder is good. (laughs) And Uh, it's not. (laughs) It's not. (laughs) And quote, how to dress a peacock with all its feathers so that when cooked, it appears to be alive and spews fire from its beak. (laughs) Oh my God. That should not be a name of a recipe. (laughs) (laughs) Or of anything. I mean, Like, sir, please settle down. (laughs) And then in parentheses, they put, for the record, you want to look for a reddish color on your not too fatty udder. And the trick to posthumous peacock fire is raw cotton doused in alcohol. Yummy. (laughs) Yeah, that doesn't sound edible. No. (laughs) Now, finally, we're going to talk about tortellini. Finally. Finally. (laughs) (laughs) The origins of many older pasta shapes are hard to trace. Both Bologna and Modena lay claim to tortellini, but no one really knows where the stuffed ring-shaped pasta comes from. According to one legend, the recipe was created by an innkeeper from Castelfranco Emilia, an Italian town that sits between Bologna and Modena. When the Roman goddess Venus checked into his inn one day, first red flag, yeah, I don't. <laughs> Your credibility is plummeting. Yes. Yeah, you are on thin ice, bucko. <laughs> when Venus checked in, the innkeeper spied on her through the keyhole in the door and caught sure. a glimpse of her navel. Mm-hmm. That's what you got a glimpse of. <laughs> the sight inspired him to rush to the kitchen and invent the belly button shaped dumpling now known as tortellini. Here's hoping the true origin story was not as creepy. I don't like anything about that. And I love tortellini. Yeah. The only thing I like about that was hearing the word tortellini. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Okay. I have some uh, pasta fun factoids, obviously. (laughs) Cause like, how could I not? How could you not? And this is from Buzzfeed. So number one, spaghetto is the singular word for spaghetti. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so funny. It's so good. A spaghetto. 
I can't wait to start using that. Yeah. Can you hand me a spaghetto? <laughs> but then also um, more than just one. Yeah. Can you hand me multiple spaghetto? Yeah. That would still be plural. I'll we'll make, make it work. We'll figure it out. Every piece of spaghetto you have. <laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> um, number two, before machinery, pasta was kneaded by foot. because pasta dough is so tough workers would walk over large batches of dough to knead it and a single batch would take a full day's walking to make (laughs) i just think walking a full day's walking can you imagine like sitting down to dinner you have a nice bowl of pasta and a nice glass of wine and (laughs) everything has come from feet yeah, that's not good. Stomping on dough and grapes. Grapes. <laughs> it's all from feet. Yeah. They really put their foot in it. <laughs> um, there are approximately 350 shapes of pasta. Oh my God. Which name like them. I I will name <laughs> all of them right now. <laughs> Three hours later, we are wrapping up our podcast. <laughs> Yeah, I think I could maybe name like 30 and that feels like stretching. I don't think I could. I feel like, (sighs) no, I don't think I could. Yeah, it's tough. Mm -hmm. Um, The average Italian eats 60 pounds of pasta per year. That seems like not enough. While Americans eat just 26 pounds a year. Oh, I definitely eat significantly more than that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We always go to Costco um, and get like 20 pounds of spaghetti at a time. And it's boil it all at once. Oh, I wish. Just a bathtub full of spaghetti. <laughs> a bathtub. <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh. Forget Epsom salts. I'm really putting the spa in spaghetti. <laughs> a beautiful joke. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. It just, <laughs> just happened. Oh. Um, so the typical portion of pasta for an Italian is just 100 grams, which I know all Americans are thinking, what does that mean? Yeah. I don't have a conversion for you. I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Because to me, I can picture hundred grams, but it's just because I do a lot of baking. Yeah. And so I didn't think until just now, but probably most people from our country can't do that. Let's look at a hundred grams. Um, <laughs> ugh, it's not very much. Yeah. It's like less than a fist. Yeah. Uh, it's about, oh, here's what Americans will know. It's about one stick of butter. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> we know that. Yeah. We know that now you're speaking my language. <laughs> oh my um, God. That's not very much at all. No. So compare that to a 700 gram portion of pasta at Olive Garden. (laughs) And it's clear why Italians can get away with it. (laughs) That's like seven, seven sticks of butter. That's a lot of butter folks. A lot of butter, (laughs) (laughs) but twist my arm. Yeah. I mean, I'll try. Yeah. I'll I'll try anything once. (laughs) (laughs) Um, the next fun fact is that people were once fooled into thinking spaghetti grew on trees. Now we know this. We know this. We know this. this. 
And I literally started to make a note to say which immature history episode that was. And I forgot mm-hmm. to write it down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, on April 1st, 1957, just to give everyone a quick reminder, mm-hmm. um, BBC aired a spoof documentary about spaghetti crops in Switzerland that showed farmers harvesting spaghetti from bushes. Incredible. The humorous video was met with confusion, including a portion of viewers wondering where they could buy their own spaghetti bush. <laughs> so good. So good. Just truly one of the best um, pranks of all time. Yeah. Oh my God. The immature history episode where we covered the spaghetti tree hoax was only immature history number eight. Oh, we were babies. Little babies. It's a little baby mini-sode. And it was released on March 31st of 2021. Classic. That's a good one. You guys should go back and listen to it. Um, Okay. So most dried pastas are made with only two ingredients, semolina flour and water. Um, Fresh pasta, egg noodles, and some dried pasta varieties are made with eggs, but the standard dried stuff is nothing more than paste of flour and water. Name a better duo. I'll wait. I'll wait. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Which is why the word pasta comes from the Italian word for paste. Flour plus water equals paste, which is pasta. Sure. Yum. We love paste. We love paste. (laughs) Can't wait to get my hands on some paste. Yeah. Would love a, you know, a good papier mache session. That's all I think of when I hear the word paste, by the way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Papier mache. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Italy produces between 1,700,000 and 3,300,000 tons of pasta per year. And God this bless is, them for it. I mean, God bless. This is more than any other country and equivalent to the weight of over 400,000 elephants, which is an important. Now, how much is that in butter? <laughs> yeah. I can visualize it. Yeah. <laughs> how many sticks of butter yeah. does it take? <laughs> um, the most popular brand of dried pasta in Italy is Barilla. Mm-hmm. And they also account for 25% of the pasta sales in the United States. Nice. The three most popular shapes of pasta are spaghetti, macaroni, and penne. Mm. Spaghetti is so popular that it accounts for two thirds of all pasta production. Holy shit. Yeah. That's a lot of spaghetti. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I love spaghetti. So good. Okay. So in 2001, Italy founded the Promoting Committee of Food Museums. The province of Parma decided to open two museums in Corte di Girola, which is a public building that was once a medieval rural court. Oh, cool. So cool. Yeah. These museums were the Museum of Pasta and the Museum of Tomato. (laughs) I'm like made in heaven. I love it. The Museum of Pasta was opened on May 10th, 2014, alongside a conference on the history, culture, and gastronomy of pasta. Ponte Scadonia, the village where the museum is located, 
Uh, it's about 70 miles inland from Cinque Terre. Um, it's like midway between Pisa and Milan. So mm-hmm. if that helps anyone with the geography of it, mm-hmm. cause it is a tiny little village. Yeah. Interesting that they decided to put like the, the that Parma decided that was the place for a yeah. museum because it yeah. does seem off the beaten path, but yeah. What can you do? Mm-hmm. Um, this quick walkthrough of the museum of pasta comes from academia barilla.it. 10 sections related to Barilla, the pasta brand. Yes. They help to open have, the museum. They have an academia. <laughs> portion. Yeah. You can learn so, so much. I want to get, a you can get a degree in pasta. in pasta. Yeah. I have a doctorate <laughs> in pasta. <laughs> I mean, I will go back to school right now. I feel like I deserve an honorary one at least. Yeah. 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 Uh, 10 sections that deal with the history, processing, production, technology, and cultural role of pasta, a charming journey through tradition that has changed over time to become what we know today, still anchored to an authenticity rooted in the past. What the museum of which Barilla has been a key supporter wanted to create was an homage to pasta, to the fact that it is part of the Italian DNA and its national culinary expression. So the first section is dedicated to wheat with its different features, but also to its growing methods uh, represented by written texts, models, and old farm tools. The second section talks about milling, showing the various types of mills with models and old equipment. The making of fresh pasta at home is the protagonist of the third section. I love that they said protagonist, like it's a novel. Um. Dry pasta and its production are told in the fourth section, thanks to the presence of a true industrial pasta plant dating back to the first half of the 19th century. So you can see pictures like inside the museum and they have like all of this old equipment um, from like hundreds of years ago that they used to use to make pasta. It's very cool. Cool. Um, A journey that continues as far as the sixth section Uh, describes the innovations of technology through perfectly refurbished equipment. The seventh section shows the dyes to explain how more than 100 types of pasta are shaped. I don't know what that means. How do you showing the dyes? D-I-E-S. There may have been something lost in translation here. True. Uh, Or I might be an idiot. (laughs) It's one or the other. Yeah, it's usually one. Uh, Then pasta communication follows in the eighth section featuring prints, documents, graphic layouts, and billboards. The gastronomic section with recipe books and pairing suggestions for pasta shapes and sauces. And finally, it is pasta in art and culture that closes this charming overview. I I just want to go so bad. I do too. I need it. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Okay, it's decided. Um, Unfortunately, as is the case with a lot of small museums from other countries, there weren't a ton of reviews for Mm -hmm. this museum. Any of the ones I did read obviously were amazing because who's Mm -hmm. not going to love? Positive. They were very positive. (laughs) 
Um, but I will leave you all with a quote from the film director, Federico Fellini. Quote, life is a combination of pasta and magic. Oh, put that on my tombstone. Really, though? We have to. We have to. Wow. And that's Man, the our museum of pasta. Oh, amazing. I just going to say, Thank our tombstones you. are going to have to be massive. They're going to be huge, dude. Huge. <laughs> They're going to cost like millions of dollars. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Not our problem. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not my circus, not my monkey. <laughs> Amen. Wow, that was amazing. I had no idea. And I'm, uh, let's fucking take this thing on the road. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'll get my passport. I'm ready. Okay. It's just in the other room. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, it's literally just in the other room. Yeah. Um, ugh, I want to go to Italy so badly. It's the best. The best. The best. Simply the um, best. Man, now I want pasta. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I had it last night, but I'll have it again for but I'll obviously eat it every single meal. Every single meal. God, I love it. <laughs> so I just good. like it has no right being as good as it is. Mm-hmm. It's only yeah. paste and water. What is up with that? It's it's so witchcraft. versatile. <laughs> it is witchcraft. Oh, campers. Campers, campers, campers. Tell us what your favorite pasta is. Yeah, please. Please. What's your favorite sauce? What's your yeah. favorite? Um, yeah. And and while you're at it, what's your Magiana's order? What's the one that you eat while you're there? And then what's the one that you take home? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we need to know. We need to know. Is it mama's lasagna? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Always. <laughs> always. Oh, oh god um wow I can't stop thinking about pasta and on a different plane in my mind I'm still trying to think about other possibilities for milking it the podcast <laughs> so far I just have um talking about cows okay um or goats I mean there's or a lot sheep. of things we can milk cats <laughs> <laughs> you can milk anything with nipples. You can milk anything. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, milk duds. Milk duds. duds. <laughs> what are milk duds even? Why do they exist? I don't know. I don't know, but I love them. <laughs> We're gonna have to cut so much of this out. <laughs> yes, so much. Just absolutely rambling. Yeah. Um, campers, thank you for joining us. This was great so great to have you at our at our table because uh, when we're here we're family um <laughs> once again we have to stop hey, it's not men's warehouse this that's true so. <laughs> true. <laughs> i don't know that we're ready to face on olive garden as a um yeah you know corporation well you can't sue family right that's true i think that's illegal that's illegal yeah that's, I a, that's a law it's in the yeah. it's in the rules um 
anyway, campers, thanks for hanging in there and listening to us ramble about pasta and other, you know, or and dairy products. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we love you. If you want to hang out, we're on the social medias. All of you them. know that you guys you know them um, at the museum camp. It's not that hard to find. <laughs> um, if you are enjoying our podcast, please consider, uh, just taking like, you know, two minutes, if we're being realistic, two minutes getting onto that purple icon on your phone, um, and leaving a review. Mm-hmm. We would appreciate it. We would love it. Tell us in the review what your favorite pasta is and please, um, we'll send you a box of it. <laughs> um and if you really want to go above and beyond and you really want to milk it then we do have a patreon where you can subscribe if you want to five (laughs) dollars five dollars a month um I was trying to think of if I could do like a a, like patreon pasta pun like pasta rion it didn't work though sure um we have that. We hope you have a positively wonderful day. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Thank Amazing. you. Um, I was trying to think of another one. It's not, yeah. it's just not it's happening. Fine. We're going to, we're going to go. Yeah. I'm tired. Um, and I'm just starving now. So yeah. Thank you. So sorry about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Campers have a great week. We'll see you next time. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Like we're getting progressively worse at the outros. We've been doing this for over a year. (laughs) We're just simply not good at it. (laughs) You know, we have to know our limits. You know, we can't be perfect at everything. That's um, true. And if this is the one area of my life where I have to struggle a little bit, so be it. I'll allow it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs>